I, I got to a point where I was like, you know, I'm not even paying for support anymore. Like I'm not even hiring any more coaches because clearly no one is listening. Everybody wants me to mimic what they did X amount of years ago that may or not be applicable now or today or for me. And that's it. A shift came. I'll tell you my shift. A shift came when I read this post. Hello and welcome to the Venture Life Podcast, the show where we talk about what it's really like to pursue your passion and how to live life like a story worth sharing. This is episode number 10 with Whitney Danielle, and she's definitely got one of those stories. Today's episode is packed full of business advice, transparency, and me laughing. Uh, Not kidding, this conversation was so much fun and so effortless, which really it makes a lot of sense considering Whitney is a networking expert. She works as a success and mindset coach and is also the host of her own podcast, which you'll hear about in today's episode. We talk about confidence and perspective and, of course, Whitney's journey to where she is now. But before we dive in, I do want to welcome all the new listeners. If you're a first-time venture lifer, then welcome to the community. And if you've been around, then uh, please forgive me for making up that phrase or uh, let me know, actually, I guess. you know, Does that stick? Does that feel like a fit for you? Uh, if you want to jump in and ask questions, make some comments, you know, shoot me a message. The best place to do all of that is on Instagram at The Venture Life. But if you want to make a bold statement and really show your support for the show, go ahead and leave a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast fix. With that said, though, uh, let's let's start this episode. I present to you, Whitney Danielle. Well, Whitney, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, well, I appreciate you uh, you jumping on, and we actually we met not too long ago, um, kind of kind of randomly, but mm-hmm. um, I felt like we connected pretty quickly, and and it was clear to me that we were on somewhat similar paths in the coaching realm and the podcasting realm, and there was a, there was enough there that um, I just I well I have a lot of questions for you. <laughs> there's there's a lot to explore. I feel like yeah, let's do it. I guess to go all the way to the back, well, maybe in a nutshell, you know, you're, today you are a success mindset coach and networking expert, and you're also a podcaster. I, I feel like lifestyle is a word that I would use when I look at you and your brand and to kind of wrap it all up in a, in a nutshell. But uh, words like resilience and resourcefulness and confidence and um, all of the skills that are involved with um, kind of like upping your game and and taking to the next level. Those are all things that come to mind when I look at you and what you do now. But if we were to back up, that's not what you always did. And I feel (laughs) those skills weren't always there and you didn't always teach those things. And I kind of want to like, I want to learn about what got you to uh, what got you on the path that you're on. And one of the things actually that uh, I remember reading about your story is that you grew up as a would you, I think you called it a military brat. Was mm-hmm. that the, the phrase you used? Well, yes. actually, what do you mean by military brat? Is that, what is what is that? That's just the term. That's just the terminology. Terminology. It's it's um when your parents, one of your parents, or both of your parents are in the military, and you are one of their dependents, and you travel with them, and kind of are dragged along all over the country, sometimes all over the world. You know, while they get stationed in different places. So. Well, that, that actually, for people that don't know, I mean, 
my family's got some military influence in it. So I feel like I can relate a little bit, but maybe some people in the audience don't really know um, what's really in, in ta- what, what is involved in growing up with that kind of lifestyle. It's a, it seems like it's a lot of tension and stress and to be moving around and, you know, uprooted. And I guess I want to know like how that lifestyle, I guess, in those circumstances influenced you and your path and, and like your personality and your mindset today even. Yeah, it was hard as a kid. Um, so I was born and then the same year that I was born, I was born in Massachusetts. And the same year I was born right outside of Boston, my dad was stationed in Alaska. And so we wow. moved every three years and I have three younger sisters and they were all born in different states. So I was born in Massachusetts. I had a sister in Alaska. We went to New York after that, upstate New York. And then we were in Texas. And then my dad kind of retired in D.C. in the Pentagon. And so we moved quite a bit. As far as lifestyle, I mean, it's, it's interesting because when you're on a military base, it's very structured. Mm. Um, it's very structured. It's very respectful. It's very diligent and dutiful and just, you know, very stoic in a way. But there's a ton of different types of people. So, you know, you, you learn how to... You learn how to acclimate. I will say, you know, being on military bases, there's a lot of different types of people from different places. And so you learn how to be open-minded. You learn how to be, you learn how to immerse yourself. And at least you, you should, I think most people do, you don't have to, you can remain sort of to yourself and, you know, introverted, et cetera. But the one thing I love about the military, my dad was in the air force, but it was actually um, a joint base. It was like half, I want to say it was half Marine, half um, air force. Mm. But what was really cool about the base is that the people are so nice. Like they're, they're genuinely caring because, you know, when you're in basic training and you are together, these are your comrades, these are your brothers and sisters, these are your, you know, coworkers, but way deeper in the sense, right? Because these are people that essentially could save your life. If things were to go wrong, if things were to go south, if something were to happen, you're out in the battlefield with these people, um, you know, you're being attacked and these are the people that are on your side. Like it's, it's a very intense like mindset almost where, you look out for each other and you have each other's back regardless of where you come from, regardless of what you look like, regardless of, you know, what languages you may speak or may not speak. And people are so talented and they're super physically fit and their integrity levels are incredibly high. It's, I mean, obviously there's going to be people that aren't great in the military, just like there are people that aren't great in politics and aren't great as teachers, et cetera. But um, that's one thing I learned is that you don't judge people. Um, You always have each other's back. You know, it's a very family oriented, but also very strict, way of life. And I learned a lot about how to reimmerse myself and, and try to figure out where I needed to be and how to make friends. When you're little, your friends are your livelihood. And so you want to make friends. You want to have people to eat lunch with, to invite to your birthdays, to be invited to birthdays. Like that's all you care about as a little kid. And so one thing I, I did learn was how to network. And that's kind of how the networking bit plays in and loving to travel and explore and meeting new people. And I mean, I've always been chatty since I was a kid. My mom hated it. Um, but I learned how to meet new people and become curious and then build relationships very quickly because I liked to, and then because I had to. Yeah, it definitely sounds, I mean, I, I just listening to, to you talk about it, it makes so much sense how that fits in to networking and how you develop all those skills from a, from a young age. And I can totally see how some people maybe you know, don't utilize the the situation that you're in in the same way to build the same skills that you have now. 
but it makes so much sense why people would feel maybe not compelled to, but it seems like it would definitely be in your best interest to, to pick up on those things and to build all those, those different skills. And even as much sense as that makes to how that uh, might add to or contribute to your, your career path today, that wasn't the career path that you originally took. You were actually in, I guess you call it the corporate world, but the term you used is, is cybersecurity. Well, actually, first of all, can you, can you explain what cybersecurity is for people that have never heard of it? Yeah, of course. Um, so cybersecurity is just, you know, a small umbrella under the IT, right, information technology umbrella. So, you know, I, it's very vague. It's like saying, you know, you're a teacher and you teach math. Like, There's so many different types of math that you can teach, so many grade levels. Um, with cybersecurity, I got into this field. It's really bizarre, but I, I did not go to school for this either. I did not. I went into school to do essentially it was to do mechanical engineering because I love cars and I wanted to do, I wanted to like build cars and like do car stuff. And then, (laughs) and you know, obviously there's a deficit of like black women engineers in the world. So it just seemed like a really lucrative like area to, to go into. But then I realized I sucked at math. And even though my mom like was a double major, like grad math, just she had all these, these math things under her belt. I couldn't do it and I didn't want to do it. So I switched to design. And I did design, but then I switched schools and I graduated with a design degree. And my first job was actually at Volkswagen and Audi headquarters as an IT sort of person, but I was also helping them run their company car program. But that's where I got some of my initial sort of IT experience and then, you know, customer service type stuff support. And then I worked for the DEA doing more IT support and um, projects project management, stuff like that, and admin work. And then it just kept going and IT, IT. Yeah. Worked at a startup doing like anti-malware software, which is essentially the the cyber part, right? Where you get into security and making sure people don't get hacked and their data is safe and all that. And then Mm -hmm. I got into consulting like full time. So that was, it's been a long journey, but it was, it was interesting. IT is very, very interesting. Well, can I hit pause? Because once you get going, the snowball effect and, and how one thing leads to another, I, th- I think most people could piece that together. But from the very from the very start, <laughs> to go from design to an IT position, that doesn't how did how did you make that connection? Well, that was at, at Audi when I, I wanted to work for an automotive company. And when I was graduating in like 08, the automotive industry was tanking. That's when everybody was shutting down. Everybody was just a mess. There were bailouts. It was just a shit show, the complete shit show in the, in the country and really all over the world. We were, infect, we were affected by this, you know, automotive crisis or whatever. So it was a horrible time to get into automotive stuff. And um, Volkswagen and Audi, though, had moved to Virginia in like, seven and we're doing pretty well and they had openings and I had never like done any German car stuff. I had worked for a Japanese automaker during college. I worked at Nissan um, selling cars and just like being in the dealership doing stuff for them because I just wanted to be there and they let me do it. But when I graduated, they didn't have any openings because they were shutting down. Nissan was shutting down certain stuff. Um, and I, I, the only thing they had was like the financial building, their NEMAC, their, um, where you like lease or rent a car from them, not rent, but like you buy through them. I, I didn't want to do math. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Even though I want to work for Nissan, like I'm not going to do that. So Audi had an opening and I had had dealership experience. And so they brought me in and I helped run that, that company car program, but it was, they were teaching their, their people how to use the online tools. 
to order their vehicles from Germany. So they were going from a paper trail to an automated online system. And these are retirees, like old German people, and then like the people who work for the company, and they hated computers. And I had to teach them how to do stuff. And so it became, you know, an IT sort of customer support experience. And that's how I got. And then from there, it kind of, so I was kind of doing both. I was doing IT and support and helping people. And I was in an automotive company. And I got to be there at the headquarters and doing all the headquarter type things. So it was yeah. cool. I love that you just following your interests of you know cars and automobiles somehow turned into a whole career of IT, you know, tech, cybersecurity, and it just snowballed into that. But also, it sounds like you know some of your interests were in there. But I, I guess it wasn't so much your education that brought you to that point as much as I feel like it was you and your interests, your personality. And honestly, I mean, it, it sort of feels like the millennial kind of generation uh, and, and probably growing up with computers and, and tech. And you said teaching kind of that older retiree kind of population who doesn't really want anything to do with it is what it sounded like. But that's cool that you had that connection. And so I guess to fast forward a little bit, you're in the cybersecurity world and eventually, well, actually, how long, how long were you in that uh, career for? It's been like 10 years. So 10 years, 10 years you were in cybersecurity until eventually you felt like you were stuck and you had sort of like a, uh, a messed up mindset and it just, something seemed off. And so I'm wondering like, if you're, like if if your life was a movie and we were watching that scene, could you kind of could you like describe what was happening, what's going on? Like what did that look like for you? In like 2016, maybe I had this like light bulb aha moment. Um I had my mom had gotten really sick and and she was able to reverse all of her health issues by changing the way that she ate. And I didn't want to go to school for like health and nutrition because I student loans are a real thing. Um, and I just wasn't willing to do that. So I started researching other programs and things that I could do. And there was this program online called IIN and I joined it as a year long health coaching program. And I learned about like health and wellness and just food and dieting and all these different things, super interesting. And I saw they had, they brought on like experts and stuff all the time. I saw so many women and just people doing what they loved and coaching and, and running their own businesses. And I was like, these are regular people. Like there's nothing special about these guys. And I could absolutely do this. And I didn't want to teach about, you know, green smoothies and I don't want to help people like lose weight and blah, blah, blah. Like my passion isn't weight loss or fitness or nutrition. However, my passion is helping people. And so I was able to take what I learned from that health coaching cert program and sort of finesse my way into making my own business for myself, coaching people with things that I was an expert in, things that I'm good at. And that was networking and, and lifestyle management and, and meeting people and really getting your mind right and building your confidence. Because I've always been known as somebody who's had like relatively high confidence, which I still think is funny because I never thought of it like that. Why do, why do you think that's, that's funny? 
just, you know, you don't know what you're good at. There's this, what is that one quote where it's like the fish doesn't know it's swimming or it's in water. There's some weird quote like that. And you don't, sometimes you just don't know what you're good at because you're just doing it and you just do it well. And you're not really focused on whether you're good at it or not. It just kind of comes naturally. Mm. And meeting people, talking to strangers, building rapport, having random conversations, just learning about people and and then boosting people's confidence and then coaching them with something that just kind of came natural. I just didn't know it was a thing. And I also didn't know you could make money doing it. <laughs> That's what got me on my path um, to coaching and having my own business. And it was so cool. But to to go back to your mindset piece, like I had a ton of time where I struggled with could I do this? Is this something I should do? What are my parents going to think? What are my sisters? What are, what is everybody going to think? What are my friends going to like, is this something I can sustain? Like what, what if it doesn't work out or what if I don't get what I want? What if I do it and I don't know if I'll like it or, you know, what if I don't get clients or what if like, there were so many, so many thoughts and I was just swarming like bees. I was watching this Netflix special about honey and there's just like bees everywhere. That's how I felt when it came to entrepreneurship and really doing it, even though I was relatively confident. Like I feel like I'm a confident person. My confidence was just, it had me like shaking in my boots, literally um, trying to figure out if this was something that I could and should do. And if I would love doing it and if it would be a thing for me and that if that was my passion because there's this well, what am I supposed to be doing with my life right we all get that moment mm. whether it's our quarter life crisis whether whether it's after or before during all of the above we all are sitting there wondering well, what should I do like what what am I supposed to like is this it it's just like cybersecurity am I just supposed to help people with their computers is that like my life <laughs> and I was like no that's not my life it, this is what like I saw people you know almost double my age doing it what I was doing. And I was like, this isn't the move. So that's kind of how I got into it and my mindset and how things changed. I'm curious when you said, when you, when you talk about confidence, I think that's something that's so many people, especially when they decide to go out on their own or they decide to make this audience in particular, when you're talking about making a career move or pivot or a side hustle or any, any, all the above, how you, you said that you were always, perceived at least as a pretty confident person. And I, I guess part of my question is, did you always, when, when did you learn that? Because you said, you said that it, you, like, you didn't realize it just came naturally. You just kind of thought like, well, this is how things are. Um, what, what was there a, was there a moment or a, a, a lesson or something where you figured out that you're more confident than maybe the average person? Yeah, I would say there were two occurrences. One, one of my good friends in high school, Acacia, just like flat out said to me, Whitney, you're really confident. I love how confident you are. She made some some sort of comment around my confidence. And I was just like, I was so taken aback. In and my school? memory, yeah, this is high school. And I was my memory is complete trash. Like for me to remember that, it had to have been something that like really shook me or surprised me that she would say something like that. Cause it was a huge compliment, but also I was just kind of floored by it. Um, and then the second thing was, well, wait, I, I want to hit pause. What, what was flowing about it? Was it who it was coming from or the timing or what, like, what was it that was so jaw dropping? I just didn't realize it. I didn't realize that it, and I didn't, I didn't realize that that was a thing that somebody would say or would see, you know, about my personality, that that was the takeaway. Um, mm-hmm. And cause there could have been a lot of takeaways, right? I, I do a lot of things. I'm passionate about a lot of stuff. I mean, she could have said anything, but that's what she said. 
And she isn't, you know, Acacia is not, she's one of my really good friends. She's actually a military brat. Her dad was in the, I think in the Navy and her husband is in the military now. Um, or maybe he was army. I can't remember, but she was, she grew up all over the place as well. And for her to say that it just meant, um, it meant a lot to me at the time. And obviously now too. Yeah. Yeah. And then that second thing was, um, I, I guess I just realized not long ago, right. It was probably in my twenties or thirties. I, I understood that I really just didn't have a lot of the same hangups as other women my age. Like they, some of them were just caught up in certain things like, you know, body image stuff or um, certain things with boys. And I was just, I just didn't give it as much thought and energy as a lot of my peers because I just didn't see it as an issue. Like I didn't see a lot of stuff as an issue until somebody pointed it out. Um, And, you know, the world makes you feel bad about it. Like when I started getting breakouts, you know, during my teens and, you know, stuff like that, that's when it was like, okay, but even then, you know, breakouts and acne didn't shut me down confidence wise. I kind of kept moving and, it eventually went away, right? Be proactive or something and birth control. And then you're fine. Like your skin changes, your hormones regulate and you're fine. But the confidence issues that my peers had were just, it seemed so much more intense than what kind of how I saw things. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to go too far into the, the nature versus nurture argument and all, you know, that kind of the psychology stuff behind it. But obviously, obviously some people confidence comes more naturally to than others. But also, I think equally apparent is the fact that our circumstances can play a role in shaping our confidence. And for someone who has that, uh, you know, come to Jesus moment, they're like, oh, my God, acne, that's a bad thing. Uh, I like people are judging me. Like, how do I look right now? And you get all self-conscious. Even I mean, something like that as, you know, a a high schooler, um, it might be a different example as, as you get older. but nonetheless, it still feels the same where it's like you can feel shaken or broken. And yet it wasn't that you weren't experiencing those things, but what, what was it that pushed you forward and kind of separated how someone else might get all caught up or, or, or uh, hung up is the word you used on something like that. And you just seem to kind of push forward. Do you know, do you have any insight on that? Well, I think, I think you're right. I think environment plays a big part in that. I was the oldest, so I didn't have an older sister or an older brother that was above me saying, you know, this is what you can expect, or this was so traumatic. This happened to a girl in my class. Like I didn't have exposure to that. So it was just me experiencing it for the first time. And when you don't have anybody making big deals out of things, you don't see it as a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, I also, my mom just, you know, (laughs) She's very big in like prioritizing what you're going to stress out about. And, you know, you don't sweat the small stuff. There's certain things you can, you can challenge or you can, um, you can worry about and deal with, but there are other things that just aren't worth the drama. And everybody experiences acne for the most part at some point, especially when they're in high school. It just didn't seem like the thing, you know, I wasn't looking at my body with my peers in the mirror during summer camp or whatever and, and picking it apart and saying, ah, I hate this. I hate this. I hate that. I didn't do that. Like I didn't have friends who had toxic um, body image issues around me. So I just wasn't in an environment where my confidence was shaken or constantly under attack because of societal norms and like bullshit you see on TV and like what my neighbors were doing and the Joneses. Like, first of all, if the Joneses live next door, they're probably going to be gone next, next week or next year because they're being stationed somewhere else. And then I will too. Like, 
everything is always changing. So it's just not worth your time to really sweat some of the stuff that obviously, you know, girls are, most of us are stressing out about. I mean, that example of of acne is something that maybe someone who's, who's younger could relate to or in in high school. Um, But I think that you can carry that over to today. So I guess, so maybe a follow-up question would be, you know, as you get into this um, coaching and consulting uh, or what well, you've been in consulting and now you're moving into coaching and for mindset, success, networking, those types of things. You said when you first started out, you had all these what ifs, all these questions and and maybe self doubts, if I could use that word. So you, obviously like you, you still experience some of those same thoughts today. What do you like, how does that influence you now? Like how do you handle those things and how does it influence your, your decision-making and your mindset? Well, for a long time, I, I didn't handle it. I just kind of marinated in it and almost drowned. It was one of those situations where you can keep moving forward, right? Because I had my full-time job to kind of keep me moving forward and, and to pay for my life and all the things I wanted. Um, and also to pay for help with coaches and whatnot. But I was struggling mentally and I did not know how to deal with it. It was one of those things where everybody around me was like, well, it's just, you know, strategy, figure it out. It'll be fine. And I'm like, um, I don't know how, you know, I just, I couldn't wrap my head around how they could just go into coaching and entrepreneurship. So kind of willy nilly. And I'm obviously, you know, downselling it because it's not, they're not doing it willy nilly, but it felt that way from the outside looking in. Cause they were saying, okay, well, I'm just going to do this and I'm going to coach these people on this topic and it's going to be fine. And people are going to buy it. Like they were confident in their abilities to get people to buy, to get people to find them, to get people to like them, to get people to give them testimonials, to get people to pay them in full. And all of these things, they were just like acting like it was totally normal. And I could not figure out how they were doing that. And so my mindset was, um, it was stuck in it for a long time. And I I asked for help from a couple coaches and they were like, ah, Whitney, it's fine. Like just strategize. You just got to do what I say and it'll be fine. Everything will be fine. I made money. You can make money. Boom. And I'm like, okay. So, I mean, it, it was, was a lot. frustrating? <laughs> Is the sky blue? Absolutely. <laughs> I was frustrated beyond meat. I, I could not, I, I got to a point where I was like, you know, I'm not even paying for support anymore. Like I'm not even hiring any more coaches because clearly no one is listening. Everybody wants me to mimic what they did X amount of years ago that may or not be applicable now or today or for me. And that's it. A shift came. I'll tell you my shift. A shift came when I read this post. It was something on Twitter or on Instagram that used to be on Twitter, or whatever. And it was like, you, you're frustrated because you keep trying to do what other people are doing when you're supposed to be focusing on creating what you want to be doing in your lane. Now, I am completely like paraphrasing what that was. I'll have to find the quote and we can put it like in the show notes. Sure. But that <laughs> one particular image stuck with me. I read that and I was like, wow. Like I stopped scrolling for a minute and I was like, this is it. Scroll that's stopper. Ex- that's full stop. Um, this is exactly <laughs> why I'm struggling. And cause I, you know how you feel something, but you don't, you don't think of it. You don't think of it as a thing or like you think of, you think about something for like a second and then you have the thought and then the thought leaves you and that's it. But then later you're like, yo, I thought of that. I had that thought. I, I thought about that one thing and it's so true. And I had had that thought 
where I was like, I keep trying to do what these coaches told me to do and what they did. And it's just not working. Why is it me? Like, I'm not, I know how to use these apps and these tools. Like it's, it can't be me. So there was a lot, as you can tell, there was a lot of drama going on in my head for a while. It's just a lot of like shit to sort through. I mean, it's so much yeah. like, I don't know. I, I, part of me wants to say baggage because it's stuff that like, it's your own thoughts that you're pulling in, but also it's like, it, I almost want to say it's not all you. It's not all on you because it seems like the, the help you were getting um, to kind of sort through that, you know, feeling stuck or the minds, you know, that, that mess. It was, they weren't, there was no, they weren't listening. They weren't actually like connecting and empathizing or, or they, they weren't seeing what you were seeing is, is what it feels like, right? Like that's what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. And that, I almost feel like that can set you further back and like deeper in. So I think it goes to show how important having a proper coach and relationship with that person who's helping you with how important, like that human element, right. like they, they were just all business numbers, strategy, so, yeah. how, so how important is that human piece for you in the work that you do today as a, as a coach and consultant and expert in the different things that you talk about and, and, and teach? Well, it's, it's cheerleading, right? I'm looking for a cheerleader. I was looking for a cheerleader, somebody who was going to rally for me and who was going to stand there with pom-poms and encourage me and boost me and uplift me when I had those moments of doubt when I had those moments of insecurity, when I had those moments where I was like, OMG, what am I going to do? Because as somebody who's typically confident, I don't know how to deal with not being confident very well. And that's another area where I struggled because I'm just used to just being good at it. Or if I'm not good, I can like finesse it and figure it out and then get good at it or appear good at it or find someone to help me get good. Like I'm pretty strategic in my confidence levels just because that's how I've always looked at it. But when I didn't have somebody who was rallying and helping me, there was an emotional piece. It was that human emotional piece that I needed, where I needed somebody to help me go through those thoughts and figure out where they were coming from, why. Because, you know, it's just like with money. There are a ton of people who struggle with money. And a lot of it is emotional. A lot of it is that stuff that we're taught, that we pick up and we hear as little kids. But you don't know that until you start really doing your money work, your mindset work around money and financials and all the crap you picked up from your parents or your caregivers as kids stays with you, even though they weren't talking maybe directly to you or you didn't understand what they meant by money doesn't grow on trees when you were little or that, you know, the root of all evil is money or whatever. You, you still hold on to some of that stuff subconsciously and it can sabotage your reality. And that's exactly what I feel like I needed. So I've had to become, because I know what not having a, a great mindset is and being stuck for so long and what that feels like. I've kind of become the coach that I wish I had had to help people who are going from one thing to another and they're just like shaken in their boots. And it's not because of this, this inherent idea that they don't think they can do it, but that they're just nervous and they need somebody who can relate to help them get to that next level. Cause I didn't have anybody in my family who is an entrepreneur who I could be like, Hey, I'm mm. struggling. Can you help me? Or, Hey, is this a shitty idea? Or, Hey, what about this? Or, Hey, can you check my website out? Or, Hey, can you blah, blah. I didn't have anybody to do that with. 
So it's nice to have, and your friends are always kind of like secretly competing sometimes, you know, it's like they're looking and they're like, oh, well, now I want to do that. Or, oh, that's such a good idea now. And so they're focusing so much on themselves. They're not actually focusing on giving you the feedback that you need. So that's where it's like, you really need that third party who can rally for you. Yeah. It's so, I mean, the, the analogy that I always use in, I'm not sure if I've already told you this, Whitney, but maybe the listeners, um, uh, with some of the clients I work with in that coaching kind of world is, is like, if you've ever gone rock climbing, you get to a point sometimes where you kind of feel stuck on that wall and people down below might be yelling at you, like, just do this or just do that. And it's not that they have that, that, that they're smarter than you, or they have more experience than you even if they, they might, but it's not really the reason they're giving you advice in that moment. It's, it's because they have a better perspective and they're that third party. And sometimes you're just too close to the problem to really see what you should do next. And I think that that's, that's to me, at least it feels different than a friend. I think a friend might be the person who's like up there on the wall with you. <laughs> and as, or like, uh, what's that? There's like a, a saying, or maybe it's a meme or something. It's like a, like a friend will bail you out of jail, but like a best friend will be in the, in the mm-hmm. cell with you. <laughs> so I, I guess, I mean, what I'm saying is, or what I'm hearing is that it, it makes so much sense that you need to have like how useful it is to have that third party uh, to help out. And it sounds like it, it was a struggle to get that and you really, really could have used it. But to take us back to that, uh, to that moment. So you, you were in the, the, the corporate world, the consulting world. Uh, you, your mom got sick. She had some health issues. It was kind of that shift, the trigger for you to start exploring, looking at new things. But you were still working at, um, at your full-time job for, for some time until eventually you decided to, to leave it all together and give, the, give your coaching business your, your full time. I did. Yeah, last fall. It was September 2018. And I had been doing some research and some just I had bought this program years ago on Pinterest. And I was like, you know what, I'm actually going to like finish this, I'm going to get it done. I think this is a really good thing for me to focus on. And I like fell in love with the process and just going through and doing all the work and learning about my clients and learning about what they needed and how I can create really cool content and taking my design skills and learning how to make graphics. And I was just like swimming in this and it was so much fun and I was doing really well and making really good traction. I was like, what if I could just do this like all the time? Like, what if I could just not be here in this office doing literally nothing? I was there for no reason. They were flying me to Florida for no reason just for like headcount. Like, I don't even know why I was providing zero value to this client because they, mm. you know, they're, they're supposed to have certain, you know, per the SOW or whatever, the documents that they sign with the client, they're supposed to have a certain amount of people there okay. on different levels. And they needed a senior consultant who had X, Y, and Z skills. So I was there, but they weren't even ready. Like my part of the project hadn't even really started yet, but I was still flying in every week. And <laughs> So I was hanging out, just doing this Pinterest work, like in between and, you know, listening to inspirational podcasts. They had no work. I mean, you didn't, they didn't have anything for you to do at the time. Absolutely not. How how much, how much of you, like if you, if you felt valued or like you were fulfilled or like you, if you felt like you were contributing in some way and that was being recognized, do you think you'd still be there? Um, Probably only because I wouldn't have had that like one 
transformative experience where I had the day, I had the bandwidth to do that Pinterest work and to really see that I had something special because it was in that moment. And hopefully I'll never forget it because it was Florida. It was in the summertime. It was beautiful. And I was walking, it was super, you know, lush. I was walking to the Starbucks and I'd go back to my desk and I'd work on pin. Like I had so much fun in those moments. Every morning I woke up and the sun was out and I would just take my little bag to the office and set up, do my research, do my, whatever I was doing, organizing and outlining, and then go to, I, I had a routine, a rhythm. And if I had been in meetings all day and doing, X, Y, and Z running around for other people. I don't think that I would have had that same experience. Um, yeah. And th- that's why it happened at that moment. I think it was supposed to happen at that moment. Did you feel guilty at all? Absolutely not. <laughs> Do it. So doing that work in that moment when you're like, you're, you're being flown into somewhere in Florida to do some, yeah, as a senior consultant and you're, chilling with your Starbucks on a laptop. Like, I mean, that, that to me seems like a picturesque, like Instagram, Instagrammable, uh, uh, you know, Snapchat worthy moment. Like that's something that you'd see like the influencers and you're, you're kind of living it in that moment before. I, mean, like, I was, I was professional. I wasn't, it wasn't like my, so I was very professional about it. I was still at my desk, you know, I would go to Starbucks. I would loiter there for a bit and then I would walk back. Um, everybody was going to Starbucks. They were walking back and forth because it was literally across the street. Mm. So we would walk down and cross over and then go back to the office. And a lot of people smoked and, you know, cigarettes and stuff. So they were outside a lot. And so I took calls outside and I, I, I made it look like I was working and I was there if the team needed me or whatever, but we really, the team that I was working with had this incredible deadline and they, they didn't have time to deal with me or, um, one of the leads that were, were there. I just, I really wasn't doing any work. Yeah. And you're so, just kind of off to the side. You know, when you're yeah. like, when you have a mind that is available and is ready to learn, I'm one of those people I'm always reading. I'm always, mm-hmm. I, you can't put me in a position where I'm going to not do anything. Like, I'm going to do something. Yeah. And to me, as long as it's legal and it's providing some, <laughs> like, let me live. So, no, no guilt. At well, all. What a what a mindset to have because I, I I think there's lots of people. The reason I ask that is because there's there's probably people who are listening who feel like they're in a dead end job or they're stuck or there's a glass ceiling or whatever the situation is and they don't want to be where they are, right? And mm-hmm. rather than feeling like that, maybe guilt is what would come up for me, and maybe it's a different feeling for somebody else, but some sort of negative emotion that holds you back from taking the next step. It sounds like you viewed that experience as almost you flip the script where it would be a waste to to not put your mind to work and to not try to be productive or or to get something done and it almost sounds like you were able to kind of free yourself in in that way to push forward and actually that that kind of carries me to the the next question which is how did it feel when you to to quit to to leave to hand in your notice well, it was like a, it's like jumping, jumping rope, you know, and you finally, you know, the people that are just kind of out like bobbing before they jump in to the double dutch and they're like doing it. That's kind of how it felt like there was an opening for me and I found that opening and I took it. And I think if you are sitting at your job and you're like, OMG, WTF, I hate this. What am I going to do? I mean, you have to find the inspirational moments. You have to find things that are going to push you and motivate you. You have to surround yourself by people who are doing the work that you want to do. And maybe that's on social media. Maybe that's, you know, 
going to different meetup groups or doing something on the side outside of work, listening to really good podcasts while you're in the office. I mean, if you're listening to music, if you're listening to whatever, right, you could be listening to something inspirational. You could be listening to an audiobook while you're driving into the office. I filled my days with inspirational shit so that throughout the day I was given little nuggets, little, little motivational pieces and gems to keep me pushing into the direction of my dreams. That's what you have to set yourself up. You can have all the negative thoughts in the world. Believe me, I had them. I had all of them and still find ways to surpass that and, and create a reality for yourself. That's a much better one for you and where you want to be living. Um, but to answer your question, I was fired. Um, I did not give a two weeks notice. Um, I did not say, Hey guys, I'm going to leave now. Um, because of numbers, analytics, or statistics really for um, consulting, you have to be staffed at a certain amount of time. My group was new and there wasn't a lot of work as far as like, you know, me being staffed full-time 100%. And they look at those numbers. And I had had a low utilization number, um, not low, but just a little bit below the average. And they were like, this is a problem and you can change it and stay or We'll have to figure something out. And right after that, they told me that I had somebody put me on hold. They put my schedule on hold for a couple of weeks. Like I was ending a project and then there was a new one starting. And so that person put me on hold so that nobody else could see my availability for a project coming up in Austin. Well, that project didn't work out. They didn't get the money for it, et cetera, et cetera. And they had to release my schedule. Well, I was on hold for like two or three weeks because of that. And those that time, those weeks screwed up my analytics. And at the end of the quarter, end of third quarter, I guess, in, or right around the end of Q3 in 2018, they were like, sorry, wait, this is it. And I was like, sweet. Because <laughs> literally that week, while I was doing the Pinterest work and doing the Starbucks runs and having fun in Florida, I had the thought and I feel like I manifested it in that moment. And I had been preparing for them to let me go for months. Like I was going to get an apartment and I was like, no, I'm not going to sign the lease because I know this is going to end. I was not going to let them go. This is one of those things where like you're in a bad, shitty relationship and like you don't want to break up with the other person and then they break up with you and you're like, oh my God, thank you. Like that's how I, that's how I felt. Yeah. It's exactly how it was. And I was so thrilled. Like I celebrated. My mom was like, oh my God, Whitney, I'm so sorry. Like you got fired. I was like, what? No, we're going out tonight. Let's do this. I had so much PTO. I got such a big severance package. It was amazing. This is exactly what I wanted. I was not going to leave. They were paying me too much money, giving me too many perks, doing too many things that I liked for me to be like, screw you guys. I'm going to go do this. That I don't know if I can do on my own. Like that's the mindset that I had. And so when I left, I was free. Wow. So they, they just like that catapulted you into, I mean, it sounds like you almost like you couldn't have had a better, uh, send off into what you're doing now. Yeah, it was a great segue. <laughs> so I guess the, what I want to ask is what, what is everything that you're doing? Cause there's so much that if someone goes to your website or listens to your podcast, I mean, there, there's a lot of the hats that you're wearing. Uh, what's everything that you're involved with and that you're, you're working on? Well, I have the podcast, Network and Spill, and it's been my baby for like a year and a half. That's something that I could do while I was traveling all over the country with this full-time job. And I absolutely loved, love doing it. It's just so much fun for me. And it allows me to take my networking and meet new people and have strangers on the show and people that I already know. That's how we found each other is I was going live with one of my buddies from a mastermind that I paid for. And she was my special guest for a How Did We Meet segment. 
and um, you came on the live and chit chatted, and that was um, one of my many episodes. I just I love doing the show, um, and then I do the solo episodes that kind of are like personal development, and I teach stuff, and so it's it's really fun, um, and it's something I'm really really passionate about. Um, but as far as business, I mean, I've got two offers right now. I've got my 90 minute strategy calls, which are completely mindset based. Um, yes, I think we have enough of the the mindset or the strategy calls, really the strategy, the clarity, the discovery calls, um, to help us with the strategy of things and how to get our shit together. But we don't see enough of the mental part of it, the how to get our mind wrapped around the shit that we actually need to Mm. do. So that's what the 90 minute call is super fun. And there's a ton of homework that I make people do because when you get on that call, we're literally strategizing. Like you have your pen, you've got your planner, you've got, I mean, I give you affirmations. We're getting to the nitty gritty um, so that you can actually get the goals. Because we most of us know what the hell we're supposed to be doing. It's not like we don't know we need to post to Instagram every day, or we don't know that we need to be authentic and show up, or we don't know that we need to have a blog or a website that's legit. Like we know these things and we kind of know how to do most of it because it's not hard, right? You can YouTube just about Honestly, everything. Yeah, a lot of the information's out there, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, are we going to do it? Is it going to actually happen is the, is the other side of that coin. Um, and then I have a 90-day coaching program, which is a one-on-one, like, full-blown accountability. I'm on your ass, like, every single week to make sure that you're actually – because that was a big piece that I missed, to be honest. Like, I didn't have somebody holding me to my word. I would talk a good game. You would call me and be like, hey, Riley, guess what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I'm so excited. I got this going. And I'm gonna, and then hit me up in a week and ask me what I had done. Crickets. Crickets. Yeah. Yeah. I maybe did, like, half of one thing. And then, like, I thought about doing another one. And that's it. And so that wasn't getting me – it's not moving the needle, right? If you don't have – because and if you – if I know you're going to be hawking me about something – I'm going to get it done. Like just the thought, I don't want you, like that's how our ego is. I don't want you to think that I'm slacking or that I'm not getting shit done. So I'm going to do it just to save face. Not because I actually, this is, it's funny, but it's, it's true for most of us. Like that's how our brains work. We don't want to be called out on our own crap. Nobody wants to be called out on their own crap. So what are you going to do when you, when I tell you, Hey, I need to get this done. And then you hit me up and you're like, hey, Whitney, did you do that thing? Or I checked your website and it still looks weird and that page doesn't work. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, oh shit. And then I'm going to get it done, right? And that's where I love bringing the fire and the accountability. So it's it's a lot of fun. But isn't it interesting how like you experience the same things that you help other people tackle or overcome or, or you know what work on? And it sounds like every time, every time you experience some of that hardship, you seem to like figure it, figure it out and flip it and, and, and figure out a way to, to help other people overcome the same, same thing. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's strategy. It's resi- That's where the resiliency piece comes in because even mm-hmm. if your environment changes, even if your situation changes, even if you have a bad breakup or you get fired or like your mom tells you something mean, like even if these things happen, it's your choice on how you're going to react pick up the pieces and then keep going. Cause you have to press play, right. Or it's going to press itself, right. Life isn't going to stop. Time isn't going to stop for anybody. So you can either, you know, make that shift, get your stuff together and keep it moving and be resourceful. Right. Cause that's a huge piece of what I, I work with people around is how to actually use those resources that we have. Like we have YouTube, but half of us don't do X, Y, and Z that we need to be doing. That's easily accessible to YouTube and it's free. 
it's free. Like a lot of the stuff that we have access to the library. I mean, it's insane. All the you know tools that we have and the people that we know. That's one of the things I like to show in the podcast is these are people that I know and how, look how cool they are. Look how much work they're doing and, and how they're changing other people's lives or just, you know, their own life or just what they're up to in the world. Like we have every, I am not special in that regard. Like everybody has a network of people that are doing cool things in the world. So um, I think it's important to tap into that regularly whenever we need help and guidance and support or a cheerleader, et cetera. I love that. So you've got the two, the two offers uh, at, um, WhitneyDanielle.com, which we'll mm-hmm. talk about a little bit more later, but you've got the podcast and, and what, what's, what seems, um, what's cool to me about the podcast is that it, it feels almost like a, like a, uh, I'm trying to not use the word network, but it, it is like a network in the sense that if you go to like a channel on your TV, like you've got all these different shows and segments, uh, to tune into and check out. So mm-hmm. it's kind of keeps it fresh. And ironically, it's it's also called Network and Spill, which uh, is so fitting. Um, but one thing, actually, I do want to ask about that before, because we're, we're running on time, and I've got a few uh, kind of rapid-fire questions for you. Okay. But when it comes to the, that networking piece, people throw that word around a lot, networking, how important it is, yada, yada. But what are some, like, being a network expert, networking expert, what are the, what are some of the things that you talk about or, or that you preach or, or skills that you teach. And maybe like if, if I can get to specifics, like if, even if there's one thing that you can leave our audience as like a tip of, you know, how to think about it or what they can do to improve their, their networking experience. That's such a big, like four or five part question, <laughs> but I will just, I will just dwindle that down to say the biggest thing that I have learned about networking is to make it about the other person. That is probably the biggest thing that I can take away is allowing space for the other person to speak and you actually listen to them. Honestly, those are two of the biggest things I have learned in life and specifically around networking. We talk a lot, especially if you're excited like me, you love talking, you love asking questions, you're curious, you want to know nitty gritty details, like tell me the background story. I want to know, blah, blah, blah. And then the other person doesn't get a chance to speak and you feel I noticed I felt different when I would leave those conversations versus when I let the other person speak and I asked them questions that were open so I could actually hear the answers. And then listening, like with my both ears, like with my whole body, listening, listening, not just like, okay, yeah, sure, sure. That's your favorite color. Great. And you're from Boston. Cool. Anyway, <laughs> so yesterday, like that's, that's a, waiting I, for your turn to talk. Right. Yeah. Right. And you'd be surprised how many of us do that. And a lot of the times we don't even know we're doing it. It's crazy. So those are my two big tips. Obviously on the show, when I do solo episodes, I've got a ton. If you're really interested in networking, I've got um, how, to, how to Network Like a Boss 101. It's one of my very first solo episodes. It's amazing. And I have a freebie with it to give you like some tips. Super cool. That's on networkandspill.com. And then I have one like how to network authentically, where I have one of my really good friends on the, on the phone with me and we talk about how to show up and like how to get your mind around attracting the right people. And there's a ton of other episodes, but those are two that I would recommend checking out. Hmm. Well, so I'll definitely make sure those are in the show notes. So you've got your freebie. It's networking 101, just for the people listening. Can you say, can you spell those out one more time? Networking yeah. 101. Yeah. How to network like a boss 101. That particular download, it's it's 
it's not like a freebie. It's more like an, a graphic. Like I have it on Pinterest. So if you follow me, Whitney Danielle coaching on Pinterest, I've got a ton of boards. Awesome. And I, like I said, I did all that Pinterest work last year. My Pinterest is legit. I went from like 2.8 thousand like monthly views. I'm at like 330, 330,000 now. Like it's been a huge transformation um, of my account, but I've got some really cool boards. So definitely check them out. Well, that should go to show how much um, valuable content there is on there, which yes. um, I'll definitely make sure everything's linked up and I'll ask you at the end. But I want to get through a few more questions before we wrap things up. Um, one of the segments that that people uh, have, that listeners have said that they like is the rapid fire question segment. So I'm going to power through some of those if you're ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, the first question is, if you visit WhitneyDanielle.com, um, you'll actually, you'll see, uh, a favicon or which is that little icon that's next to your URL page title uh, for people who don't know those are, uh, what those are. And the, that, that little icon is an Eagle. So I'm wondering what's up with the Eagle. What does that represent? So I have, um, birds on like all kinds of stuff and it's an inside joke. Um, if you are a fan of the show Portlandia, um, they make this huge joke where it's not art unless you put a bird on it. So you can just put a bird on it and it's art. And I've always thought that was hilarious and also very stupid. And I love birds. Like who doesn't love like the silhouette? And I like them like sitting and I, I put them on everything. So if you look at any of my graphics, chances are there's like a blackbird doing something on the graphic and it's just like a Whitney thing. I, I really couldn't tell you i love that show portlandia but yeah that's what the uh that's what, and also i mean if you want to get deep the significance is like i've i've flown around the country i've i've been traveling i, I never really sit still i'm always kind of on the go i go where the wind takes me i'm a free spirit you know that's you know that's kind of i guess the deeper <laughs> <laughs> so we've got that is a great nugget there so we've got the the practical inside joke uh answer and then also all the symbolism so i, I love that yeah. Um, as, as a fellow podcaster, uh, as you are the host of Network and Spill, uh, what's, what's your favorite part? What's the best part of having your own show? Being able to talk about whatever the hell I want to talk about. It's so much fun. I love recording. (laughs) I love like, it's just, it's a process. It's like, it's like an art. It it really is like an art where you, you think about what you're going to talk about. You think about how it's going to impact people. You think about what you can offer, like those freebies. I really sit and I think about like, what is somebody going to need? How can this be something that they can use? Like if they're going to go to an event, like they can print this and like put in their glove compartment and then they can pull that out right before they walk into a conference or what's going to help people. And then obviously my guests, I've got some really cool really cool people that are on the show. And it's just, it's fun. Just, I mean, I'm literally chatting with my friends and then meeting new friends on the show. Who doesn't like talking to their friends? Like I want to meet that person. That person doesn't exist. Everybody loves talking to their friends and I get to do that on the show. So that's what I love about it. There's a lot to love. And that's definitely a good answer to that question. But, um, I, but on the, on the flip side, uh, what is the worst part of having your own show? Having to deal with people rescheduling and then like just there's there's a couple different things like tech issues. We talked a little bit about that. People wanting to dial in and it sounding really weird or, you know, background noise. I've had dogs. I've had ambulances. I've had, you know, and then you've got to just coordinate. And then people sometimes are having like a shitty day and you'll have them on the phone. And you're like, woohoo, let's do this. And you're so pumped up and you're excited. And they're like, um, so, yeah, I mean whatever <laughs> like literally like you bring the energy no and energy. completely oh, yeah. dead and i'm like god damn it so that that can be um 
that can be difficult. But oh wow, yeah. I fortunately I have not uh, ran into the the low energy, uh, as far as I could tell, low energy problem uh, yet. So um, I'll, I'll keep I'll keep an eye out for that though. Uh, last last rapid fire question. Not every day that you get to have uh, another podcaster on your show. So I want to ask you, what is your favorite segment? We talked about you have different uh, like kind of like channels, different segments on your on your podcast what's which one is your favorite i love them all literally so like if they were dogs like i love them all so much i would say the most exciting is probably stranger danger because it was such a genius like it was one of those things where i thought about it and i was like damn what that's such a good idea and i like literally patted myself on the back because stranger danger it's a great idea it's like bringing on a legitimate stranger like somebody who i if i went to target or like starbucks i would not recognize i have no idea who they are and sitting down with them on the phone and showing my audience how I build rapport with this person, sometimes it starts to have super awkward. And I'm like, okay, because like I don't know anything about them. So I can't like cheat and be like, hey, so I saw you went to that concert last weekend. Like I can't really, I don't have that much material to go off of to really keep the conversation going, which is a pro tip. Um, but it's it's great because it starts awkward and it ends and you'll be like, wow, she seems really cool. And, and we have so much in common. We're like besties by the end of the, um, by the end of the segment. It definitely sounds entertaining, almost like, uh, like your guilty pleasure, like reality TV show or something like that. So, um, hopefully people will be tuning into that segment for sure. I have two final questions, uh, cause you know, we're, we're out of time here, but Whitney, before I ask those, uh, I just want to take a moment to say thank you and acknowledge you for for being a guest on this show and to speaking to this audience, which is uh, slowly but surely growing in this community. And I I love every bit of it, and uh, I, I love everything that you had to share, and like all the expertise and the like. There's so much more I, I, that I know we could have gotten to, <clears throat> but hopefully people will just tune in and check out what you're doing on on all of your different channels and and. Uh, the different places that you live because you have you have so much going on and so many good things. I, I think like that 330,000 average monthly views on Pinterest, there's definitely some good stuff going on over there. So thank you for everything that you're doing and for bringing that to this to this audience. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This really has been fun. Good, good. Well, I'm glad. The, the two final questions. Uh, the first one is something you should be somewhat prepared for, hopefully, which is, uh, I'll just keep it short. What's, what's your definition of success? <laughs> so, yeah, I thought about this for a really long time and it, it, there <sighs> success to me, and this is, I thought about it again this afternoon while I was eating breakfast and success to me, I really think is freedom and happiness in a way in which you and those closest to you acknowledge and are, are, are like pumped up about. And I know it sounds like I read that and I promise you I didn't, but because it, it, it's not just me. I, I don't think when it comes to success, it's just like a you thing. I think success is sometimes um, validated almost by your surroundings, the people around you, right? You measure success by those around you. And so you need that. You can't just be, I don't think you can be successful without some sort of measurement, right? Or some sort of like, like almost competition in a way, like you, you're successful because you have made it right. Which means other people did not make it. So to me, it's, it's freedom and it's, it's happiness and it's, it's, it's the freedom to be happy and to do whatever it is that you're trying to do. (laughs) No, that's, that's really, it's really interesting that you bring in that, that 
I think a lot of people try to avoid the comparison piece. And I think that you bring a really pragmatic perspective on the, on that idea of that you can't really avoid that. And that's, that's definitely a part of it. Um, so thanks. Thanks for sharing. I think my favorite part is when you said that you had your breakfast in the afternoon. <laughs> I did say that. Yes. I've been intermittent fasting. So I typically eat my first meal at one and I never skip breakfast because it's the best. And even if I sleep until 4 PM, I'm still starting my day with some sort of breakfast situation. So yeah, I, I totally had breakfast this afternoon. It was oh, wonderful. That could be, that could be a whole nother episode, another segment, <laughs> the nutrition uh, behind intermittent fasting. But Unfortunately, that is this is the end of, of our episode. And the, the last question that I want to ask is for everyone that wants to continue the conversation and wants to jump on the, the Whitney Danielle bandwagon, uh, where can they do that? Where can they follow along? Where can they find you? Yeah, I'm lots of places, actually, believe it or not. Um, I have my website, WhitneyDanielle.com, and it actually links to the podcast. So if you go to the menu, they'll say Network and Spill, or you can go to NetworkandSpill.com and link to Whitney because there's a, a menu tab for me. So I'm on both websites. I run both websites. I also run both Instagram pages, which is a feat in of itself. So the Network and Spill IG is literally Network and Spill, spelled out. And then my Whitney Danielle Coaching is my business Instagram handle. I'm on, um, I told you I'm on Pinterest. That's Whitney Danielle coaching. I'm also on Facebook, uh, Whitney Danielle co I believe. And then I'm on Twitter occasionally. Um, and that Twitter handle is Whitney DC life. I'm normally on there just to kind of see what is going on in the world and to keep myself hip. Cause I've got younger sisters who I have to make sure I'm keeping up with. Um, <laughs> But yeah, all of my social media handles are also all over my website too. So I would love to connect and obviously you have any questions or maybe you want to give me some like kudos for being vulnerable and sharing some of my experiences or you relate to them in some way. I would love that. Um, and you can just DM me and, and let me know. I would appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah. So definitely, uh, definitely check her out and make sure, make sure that everything is, is on the show notes or in the show notes as well. And, uh, and you'll also find Whitney's podcast clip for this episode on the venture life, uh, on Instagram or Facebook should be in both places and make sure you check her out. There's, I, I wish we could keep continuing the conversation, but that, that is the end. And so I just want to give you kudos and say, thanks again for coming on as honestly, it was a pleasure having you on. And you know what? It doesn't have to be the end of the conversation. We could absolutely go live on Instagram if you're down or do some sort of like Q&A if everybody's, if anybody listening is interested um, or you have some people on IG that you want to connect with, I would love to, to go live. We can talk more. Super cool. I think that's a great idea. Hopefully we get some feedback from people listening. Hit us up, leave us a, a comment or a DM or something. Let yeah. us know what you're, what you're looking for. Sweet. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate you tuning in. Hey, Venture Lifers. Yeah, no joke. Let me know what you think. Uh, I, I think that that might be a thing from now on. <laughs> what, what did you think of Whitney's story? You know, I'd love to hear from you in the comments on Instagram or Facebook at The Venture Life or, or tag me directly at McGee.Riley. And if you really want to put a smile on my face, then go ahead and share this episode with a friend that you think would get something out of it. It's so incredibly amazing when the right person hears the right thing at the right time and you are the exact person that can make that happen. That's your power as a human being, which is you know the ability to impact another person's life in a positive way. So reach out, share the love, and I'm out. <laughs>